You're listening to Live 360 with Tony Sutherland, and this is episode 23. What's up, everybody? I hope you're having a great day. I feel like singing. Man, I got to tell you, I love these podcasts. I really enjoy it. I hope you're enjoying it. You know, why do life if you don't enjoy it? If you're not enjoying something, stop doing it. Unless you have to. I get it. We have to all do things. Life is kind of like the 80-20 principle. You know, we're trying to always increase that 80% like enjoyability part of life, but there is a 20% we have to do that we don't like. I don't like to cut the grass. So 80% of the week it grows, and then that one 20% of the week I have to cut it, (laughs) cleaning the house or whatever it is. You know, but you can enjoy that 20% too. You don't have to be uh, miserable all the time doing the things you don't like to do. You can find ways to enjoy it. One way to enjoy doing the things you don't like to do, whether it's cutting the grass, doing the dishes, or whatever it is, you can pop your AirPods in your ears and listen to Live 360 with Tony Sutherland. And you know what else you can do? You can subscribe to this podcast, write us a review, and share it. Don't hog Jesus to yourself. Share the good news. You know, some of you have a hard time getting in front of people and talking to people one way. I'm making this so easy for you to say, hey, man, you need to listen to Tony Sutherland's podcast, Live 360, and then just let them listen to it. And you'll be leading them into a whole new way of thinking, discovering how to have peace and joy in every area of their life, which is the underlying scope of why we do what we do. This podcast is is to help people discover how to have peace and joy in every area of your life. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe, share, and leave us a hearty review. Tell us the truth, but we want to hear what you're thinking. And then if you want to, go ahead and hit a few stars. What that does is it helps all these algorithms out there work in our favor so that more people can live the 360 life full purpose, full scope, full circle, how high, how wide, how deep is the love of Christ. He's come that we could have life and have it more abundantly. So help people have life more abundantly. Share this. So let's get started. All right, guys, last week we were teaching from Colossians chapter three, verse two, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. I'm not going back to that verse today. I'm not going to recover or review or rehash anything. We don't have time for it. If you want to find out what it was about, you're going to have to go back and listen to episode 22. It's powerful, life-changing stuff, but it's also very important leading up to today's episode, part two, how to reset your life. So let's start from Romans chapter 12, verse one through two. I'm reading from the New International Version. Now, before I read this verse, understand that the book of Romans was all written as a case for grace. Paul wrote the book of Romans to the Roman church, a Gentile church who knew nothing about the old covenant Mosaic law. He preached to them nothing but Jesus when he was with them. The book talks about that. 
He says, when I was with you, I wanted you to know nothing else except Jesus, not old covenant laws and rules and codes and mosaic practices. He said, I shared Jesus. You believed, you received, and now you are born again through the grace of God, the gift of God's grace. Romans chapter one starts off verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. What does that mean? The gospel is the good news of God's grace. The gospel is not the Old Testament. The gospel is not the Mosaic law. The gospel is that we are saved by faith through grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians chapter two, seven through nine. So Paul is arguing the case for grace to the Roman church. They're a pagan church, a Gentile church. They received the gospel of Jesus through Jesus Christ alone, his work, his finished work, his blood, his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy, his undeserved favor. That's the good news, guys. It's undeserved, unearned, unworked for. You don't qualify for salvation. Only through grace, through believing and receiving. It's not a works of righteous. It's not a, uh, a righteousness of works. It's not a righteousness of effort. It's a righteousness of faith, believing In spite of who you are and what you've done, you received. And it's not just the grace of God that saved us. It's the grace of God that maintains that salvation. You didn't get saved and now you have to work and maintain your salvation and keep yourself saved. It's a salvation that keeps you. You're saved. Past, present, and future. All your sins were washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. Past, present, and future. Why is that important to know? Because it covers all your sins, not just the ones you committed But the ones you're currently committing now, let's just be real, and the ones you're going to commit, he saved you from all of it. And so the book of Romans must be read through an understanding of the gospel of grace. I've got a great way for you to get a grasp of that. I wrote a powerful book called Grace Works. You can get it at my website, TonySutherland.com. Go to the store page. It will rock your world. It will change your life. I had a knockdown drag out with the mighty grace of God 12 years ago, changed my life, changed everything about me, revolutionized my life, revolutionized my ministry. It didn't make me perfect. It didn't make me the best person on the face of the earth because I'm not the best person on the face of the earth. Jesus is. My focus is on him and what he has done for me. And I can have confidence in the day of judgment, which is always, I'm always, the devil's always trying to break in and condemn me for something, but he can't go there anymore because I'm not condemned. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8 and 1. So again, Paul was arguing the case of grace in the book of Romans. It's about the free gift of righteousness, Romans 3 and Romans 6. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wow, it's amazing. The book of Romans will change your life when you read it through the lens of the new covenant. It's not law 2.0. It's grace 101. It's Romans is all about the grace of God. And it teaches us that we don't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's a free gift. We receive it. We walk in it. We live in it. And it changes and revolutionizes our life. So Romans 12 and 1 is already way into the book of Romans. By the way, you may not know this, but the book of Romans was uh, taught in some of the uh, American Ivy Leagues way back when they started. The book of Romans was a course taught in legal school in to lawyers on how to argue a case. That's how well-written Romans is. Paul 
thoroughly argued the case for grace and left no holes for guessing. So when you read through the book of Romans, man, it just unlocks and unpacks the, the marvelous new covenant. So when we start in Romans chapter 12, by the way, 12 is the number of grace. You might not know that. Remember, remember when Judas left the fold? Well, Paul became that 12th apostle. So Romans 12, 1 and 2 is a great place to start for our, our podcast today on resetting your life, resetting your life through the grace of God. And so let's unpack this verse. It's powerful and it's going to blow your mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'm reading from the New International Version. Paul starts out, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, you know that covers it all, men and women, boys and girls. It's not being gender specific here. Um, The context of it is for everyone. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. Now let's unpack this verse. So Paul is saying, I urge you, this is urgent. Like if I could just reach out through this microphone right now and grab you by the collar of your shirt or the lapel of your blazer and pull you up and say, I am urging you, listen to me, look at me. You, you just got to get this man. When you do, you're not going to believe how marvelous it is to be living the Christ filled spirit filled life. I want to grab you and just pull you in. I'm urging you. This is urgent. You've got to get this. Please understand this. I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. I'm imploring you. That's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, I urge you by the mercies of God. Everything starts with mercy with God. You never bump into condemnation. Even even when you're supposed to have it all worked out, God doesn't go, man, you know, you've been a Christian for a while. What is wrong with you, man? Get it together. No, you never, no, you always bump full on into mercy. That's how God spoke to Moses from the mercy seat. When Moses talked with God, God spoke through mercies. He's saying by mercy. So let's just start from mercy. Let's just, that's how we start. Remember last week we set our minds and this is how we set our minds through mercy. We live our life free of condemnation and guilt and worry and anxiety over what God thinks about us. And God is not, God is not sitting around hawk-eyeing you with air. I mean, he watches you. He sees you. You're always in his sight. You're always in his love, but he doesn't judge you. He is looking at you through the lens of mercy. He sees a life that has so much potential and he sees you through joy and he sees you through love and good pleasure. The mercies of God. I'm urging you to get this mercy thing, guys. And, and, and me right now, I'm not Paul, but I have that same urgency. That's why I do these podcasts. You just got to get this, guys. If you do, everything will change for you. You'll go to sleep at night without worrying if you, if, if you didn't do too much or if you overstepped your bounds. You, don't, you won't even sleep well because you're always worried about where you are with God. Don't worry about that anymore. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are right with him, and he is literally right with you. He has not left you. He's right there. He's not disappointed or angry with you. So sleep well tonight. If you're listening to this before you go to sleep, 
Let your mind just be filled with peace and drift off into sleep. God has it all under control. So he's saying, I'm urging you by God's mercy, start there to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. Let's stop there. It's not coming before the Lord and saying, oh God, I just want to be holy and make me holy. No, you're as holy as you will ever be. His blood has made you eternally righteous. You are in Christ. And did you know that Christ has no issues with God? He's not, well, maybe I'll lose my sonship. Maybe maybe I'll fall off the throne. Maybe me and God will have something between us. No, as he is, so are you in this world, the scripture says. As Jesus is, so are you. So if Jesus isn't afraid of losing his sonship with God, then you shouldn't be afraid of losing your position with God. You're forever a child of God, forever. I boldly say that whoever wants to refute me or argue with me, I'm prepared to defend the gospel. You can direct message me. You can, I'll have a conversation with you, but I'm here to tell you right now, I am persuaded whom I've believed and I know he is able to keep me. So I'm not worried about that. I literally don't worry about my relationship with God. I have some worries in some other areas, but I'm not worried about that. God is for me. He's on my side. He's, he's got me. Even when I don't got him, he got me. Can, can I get an amen from somebody out there? So I'm here to tell you today that when you present your body to the Lord, Lord, my body belongs to you. The Bible says, yield not your members to unrighteousness. So my hands, my feet, my mind, my life, my heart, my passions, my gifts, my abilities, He said, through the mercy of God, when you present yourself to him, you're not begging him to make you righteous. Second Corinthians 5 21, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. You are as righteous as God is righteous. That's powerful. You need to see yourself, not just a little bit righteous and a little dab of holiness. You are as righteous as you will ever be. And you don't diminish it. You don't lose it. You don't drain it out. If you did, then you wouldn't be able to stand before God ever, not even come to him in prayer. If you weren't righteous, mm -mm, no, there's no connection. But that righteousness connects you now forever. You're bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, and he cannot disown himself or dismember himself. Are you listening to me? He can't cut you off because if he did cut you off, he'd be cutting himself off. And the Bible says that Jesus can't cut himself off from you. So God tells you through the grace of God, through Romans 12, he says, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. So guess what? When you pray and you come before the Lord, you can just say, Lord, I thank you that I'm a living, I'm alive. I'm a living sacrifice. I'm alive. See, in the old covenant, the sacrifice had to die. In the new covenant, the sacrifice ever lives. You're a living sacrifice. You're alive. You can say, God, I'm alive to you. Hold your hands out like that eagle we talked about in last episode. Hold your hands out. Get ready to mount up. Lord, I am alive in you. I'm alive. I'm fully alive. I'm not dead. I once was dead in trespasses and sins, but now I've been made alive having quickened my mortal body. You've quickened me. I'm alive and I'm a holy sacrifice. I'm not an unholy sacrifice. Never tell the Lord you're unholy because you'll be lying. You're lying to yourself. And God says, wait a minute. Are you telling me that all I've done in your life isn't, hasn't made you holy? Come on. Don't insult the Lord there. You're alive. You can just say, okay, God. So when you come to the Lord in prayer, you don't have to go, oh God, I am just, 
I know you won't listen to me and I failed you. Yeah, you failed him, but so what? Christ succeeded on your behalf. So stand in his success and quit mulling over your failures. See, this is all a part of resetting your mind, setting your life, starting at the grace of God. Everything starts with grace. Everything starts with finished with God. It never starts with I'm undone. I I need more. God, make me help. No, you are all you need to be in Christ. And you're ever discovering that. The Christian life is not about doing more. It's about discovering more. The more you discover, the more you rise up to your potential. But if you're always striving to your potential without discovering who you are, you'll always be firing arrows that will fall short. But if you start with grace all the time, start with grace, start with finished, start with what Christ has done in your life. And when you present yourself in prayer, you can say, God, I am a living sacrifice. I am alive. I am a holy sacrifice and I am acceptable to you. If you start there, then your faith will come alive. You'll start praying from a different perspective. You won't base your prayers based on what you've done. You'll base your prayers on what Jesus has already done for you. And you already are elevating because you're coming in faith. God, this is not about me. It's not what I've done. I know I don't deserve to get your blessings. I know I don't deserve to get your grace and your goodness But God, I know that you give it to me through your son, Jesus. So I'm coming not based on where I fail. I feel God's presence right now. I don't know about you, but I just feel his mercy kicking in right now. And and it's God, I come to you not based on what I've done. I come to you based on what you have done and your faith comes alive. That's how Paul's telling you to present yourself. Quit presenting yourself as guilty and condemned. He's talking to the saints at Rome. Don't you know that there were some saints who were struggling, some saints who hadn't quite arrived? And to be honest, nobody's arrived. I love how Brennan Manning says it. He says, God loves you as you are, not as you should be, because no one is as they should be. Wow, that's that just knocks a home run. So present yourself when you come, come boldly. The Bible says, come boldly before the throne of grace. Don't come ashamed. Don't come with your head down and God, I failed. And no, he says, you can come boldly because of what I've done for you. Ask what you will. Yeah, I I know you failed. I'm working on that. I'm dealing with that. I'm taking care of that. But come into my presence, knowing who you are. You're of royal blood. You're a prince or a princess in the child, in the kingdom of God. You are fully endowed with royalty. Quit praying as an outcast. You are in, your name is on the list. I see you, I love you, and I want you to quit being condemned in my presence. Come, present yourselves. You're alive. I made you alive. Call yourself what you are. You are a holy sacrifice, and you are acceptable to me. That's how Paul wants you to see yourself. That's how Jesus wants you to see yourself. And ladies and gentlemen, this is how Tony Sutherland wants you to see yourself. I'm urging you, through the mercy of God, to see yourself as wholly acceptable, alive unto God. And it says, which is your spiritual service of worship? What that means, it's your reasonable, it's it's the basics, guys. It's, 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 it's where you start, and that's how you worship. People say, oh, Lord, I want to worship you, but I feel like I can't because my life doesn't match my words. Does it ever? No, it does not. Your intentions match it. <laughs> your hopes and your dreams match match it, but your actions often don't. My actions often don't. But the way we worship God is not based on the offering of obedience that we give, but it's under the obedience of Christ. The Bible says, 
casting down every imagination that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, bringing every thought captivity to the obedience of Christ. So when my mind starts to tell me things that it shouldn't be telling me, and when my mind starts to lie to me, and when, my, when the enemy starts to speak to me, I just submit to Christ's obedience on my behalf. Should I obey? Should I walk in holiness? Yeah, absolutely. And you will. Because you want to, your spirit wants to, but stop submitting to the lies and the condemnation of the enemy. Your spiritual service of worship is knowing that you're alive. God, I'm alive. I'm a holy sacrifice and I'm acceptable to you. You know what that means? That means that when you worship, that's how you should come. That's how you should come. It's not about God, I want to give you an acceptable sacrifice in worship. We go back to the old covenant all the time. Lord, I just want my worship to be acceptable. God says the way you do it in the new covenant as you come knowing you are acceptable. In the old covenant, there was a stress point. There was worry. There was anxiety. There was sweat on the forehead of the priest as he walked behind the veil. And it all better be right or he's going to die on the spot. So the the the. The effort was to make the sacrifice acceptable. In the new covenant, Christ has become your once and for all acceptable sacrifice to sin. So now because of what he's done in you, you can come acceptable before the Lord. It's not, again, your behavior patterns and your issues and the way you walk it out that determine whether you're acceptable or not. Or not, you are acceptable because of what Christ did for you at all times, at every season, good or bad, whatever you're in, you are acceptable to God. And when you stand before Him, you offer your life as already being made acceptable. That's new covenant worship. That's grace worship. That's how you reset your life. That's how you reset your mind, knowing that your mind can lie to you. But Christ will never lie to you. Now watch this. It says, and don't be conformed to this world. So again, our focus isn't on the things of the world. But even more importantly, when you offer your bodies as alive, as holy, as acceptable in worship, it will, it will have a profound effect in causing you not to conform to the world. And what Paul was mostly speaking of here was don't conform to the worldly system of laws and regulations and old covenant obedience and fleshly exercise and profane babbling and all the things that made you covered under a season of righteousness under the old covenant. Again, it was seasonal. You had to come back to the temple, come back every year, take animals. You had to constantly work to be righteous. In the new covenant, the work's already been done. I hope this is blessing you. I hope this is giving you some powerful revelations on what this verse means to you. All right. And then it says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There it is. You're being transformed from glory to glory, going from glory to glory as you progress in your relationship with God, not progress in your righteousness or holiness, but as you grow in, in, in uh, intimacy with the Lord, as you renew your mind, you will Not that you may prove, but you will prove. God will prove himself to be true in your life and you will find yourself walking in the perfect will of God even when you're at places and seasons and times and relationships that don't seem so perfect. It didn't say life would be perfect. It said that you would be in the perfect will of God. 
Life is troubled. Life has tribulation. Work has tribulation. There's tribulation even in our closest relationships. But when you're in the perfect will of God and flowing in his grace, no matter what season of life you're in, you'll you'll just be right where you need to be at all times. Live your life on the right side of the New Testament divider in your Bible. Please live on the side of grace. Just come on over to grace. Come on over. All right, so that verse, we just broke that verse down. We just dissected it and took all, like when I was young, I, I, when I would eat chicken when I was younger, man, I would clean that, all the meat off the bone. That's what we do with this scripture here. We've, we've broken down the power of God's grace and where to start. So now I want to talk on the second half of this podcast toward, toward the, maybe the, the last third of this verse. I want to break down the five things that We've learned through this that will help us reset our minds. Hey guys, we're about halfway through. Just want to take a quick break and thank you for listening and remind you to subscribe to this podcast, leave us a review and share it with one or two other people in your relationships that need to hear what you've heard today. These are three powerful ways that you can help us bring more awareness to the podcast so that we can share our content with more and more people and help them discover how to have peace and joy in every area of their life. So let's jump back in and I'll come back at the end with a few closing comments. All right, so let's talk about the five things we need to do to reset our minds. And this is all based on grace. Number one, the letter R for the word reset. Renew your mind in grace. We've been talking about that. So I just want to get all that out of the way so that number one will be clearly understood. We start with grace and we renew our mind in grace. You know, Romans 12, one and two says by the renewing of your mind, it's renewing your mind under a new way of thinking through the lens of grace. That's why the book of Romans is very clear on the gospel of grace. Live your life on the right side of your New Testament divider in your Bible. Come over to the side of grace. Renew your mind in grace. Think through grace. Think from the starting point of grace. So number one, renew your mind in grace. And this is going to be very important as I share the next four points. Number two, the letter E, expect God to bless you. You'll have a new expectancy when you live from grace. When you, re- when you renew your mind and your thoughts and your perspective and your foundation is based on the new covenant, you can start expecting, to God, expecting God to bless you. It's not an arrogance mindset. It's a confidence mindset. Some people confuse confidence with arrogance and uh, humility with uh, fear and timidity. No, it's humble and it's right to expect God to bless you because you're basing it on what he has done. John 16 and 24, Jesus said himself, ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. James 4 and 3 says you don't have because you don't ask. And the problem is that condemnation will keep you from asking. You'll think, well, I just, I, I haven't done very well, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't even think that I'm qualified to pray. No, you're not qualified for any of God's blessings at any time, at any point in your life. But under grace, you can have this new, fresh expectancy. God, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve your blessings, 
but I expect you to bless me anyway because it's not based on what I've done. So E, expect God to bless you. Now think how that resets your life, how that resets your mind. You can start praying big prayers. Start praying things that exceed the bounds of your behavior and your goodness and your effort. Stop praying small prayers. Pray big prayers because you're praying from the place of big grace in your life, what that grace has actually done. You're praying from the foundation of your salvation, not from the foundation of your good works. God wants to bless you, not to beat you. God wants to give you good gifts. It gives him pleasure to give good gifts to his children. Just ask and ask big. Isaiah 66 and 9 is a very powerful verse for me. And I, again, when I read the old covenant, I read it through the accomplishment and the finished work of the new covenant. So certain scriptures in the old covenant that couldn't pertain to me because my behavior wasn't good enough now can pertain to me because Christ has fulfilled the law and made those old covenant scriptures change for me because under the old covenant, I had to behave well to receive well. But under the new covenant, I can receive those blessings based on what Christ has done and what he has accomplished. And Isaiah 66 and 9 says, shall I bring to the point of birth and not give delivery? See, some of you have some dead dreams, but what God is saying to you is, shall I not bring to the point of birth and not let that thing be born? God is not into abortion. God is into birthing life. And your dreams, you may see, may think that they were stillborn, but God says, shall shall I not bring those dreams to the point of birth and not give delivery? God wants to bring your dreams to fruition and to life, not based on what you've done, but based on what Christ has done. So E, expect God to bless you. Number three, S, shed the past. Shed it. Let that cloak of the past fall off your shoulders and onto the floor. Step out of your old clothes and put on the new robe of righteousness. You're no longer wearing the priestly garment of the old covenant. You are wearing the robe of righteousness that Christ earned for you. When a doctor gets that white doctor's robe, he has to earn it. But under grace, Christ earned the degree for you. He took the test. He passed with flying colors. You don't get graded on the curve. You get graded on the cross. You get to wear that robe of righteousness. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. But you get to wear it. So shed your, shed the past of the old clothes and the pauper's clothes that you're wearing. You're not going to be able to take a hold of what God has for you until you let go of the past. Come on, give up the old clothing. Pray differently. Think differently. You're wearing authority. You're robed in righteousness. The blessings of tomorrow are directly tied to forgiveness of the past. Shed the past. The past has no longer a hold on you. You are now in a new place and his mercies are becoming new every day. His mercy never is based on what you do what you're going to do right now. No, 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 no. His mercy covers it all. You've got mercy from your past, mercy in your present and mercy for the future. So S shed the past and the next letter E. So it's, we got R renew your mind in grace. E expect God to bless you. S shed the past. And number three, entertain peace. 
You know, we we pray afraid so many times and we're afraid that the boogeyman's going to get us because we didn't do something right or we didn't do enough or, you know, it's all based on what we've done. I'm talking about resetting your life. So when you renew your mind in grace by the constant renewing of your mind, we talk through the book of Romans, through grace, renew your mind. You can, you can pray peacefully now. You can approach God peacefully. You can approach God with a still heart and a calm spirit. Don't go down any road in your mind in this next season that doesn't lead to peace. Don't create those three-minute movies in your mind where you've cast the actor, you wrote the script, and it has a tragic ending. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, Matthew 6 and 34. You don't have any reason to worry. Entertain peace. Let peace be your house guest. Don't entertain fear. Evict all the people in your mind that bring fear. Evict those spirits. Evict. They're paying rent in your mind. Don't cast them out. Tell them to go. You entertain peace. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. That's how you reset your mind. You entertain peace, thoughts of peace and not of evil. Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Get up in his thoughts, y'all. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. That's what Jesus is thinking about for you. He never has a tragic thought about you or a concern or a worry about you. He's always saying, man, I wish you could see my thoughts for you right now. Because if you can get in the mind of Christ, his thoughts are good for you. So start thinking good for you. Don't worry about it. You say, well, man, I overdrew my account this week. I don't have any money. I'm worried. Jesus says, I'll supply your needs according to my riches and glory. I mean, he's taking care of every detail, guys. Entertain peace. And then finally, the letter T, take courage. This is something you have to take. God is not going to give you courage. You have to take it, seize it, own it. I am courageous. God told Joshua, be of good courage. You muster it. You stick your chest out there. But you know how you, you have courage? You've renewed your mind in grace. You've expect God to bless you. You're shedding the past. You're entertaining peace. And because of that, you can take courage. Isaiah 41 and 10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's a great verse. And you say, well, it's in the old covenant, Tony, and it's based on my behavior and how well. No, it's not. Because you read the Bible now through the new covenant lens of grace. All of those promises and blessings, the Bible says that we have been given every spiritual blessing through Christ in heavenly places. We have the spiritual blessings now through Christ not through what we did or what we do. And that's good news, guys. And when I tell you that good news, it gives you power. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news. When I'm preaching Jesus to you and I'm preaching his grace to you, it causes you to take courage. Faith is a refusal to panic. I will not panic. The next time something comes up in your life, stop and say, God, I refuse to panic. Don't talk to the devil. Don't even pay attention to him. Don't even give him two minutes of your time. Don't say, devil, don't have a conversation with him. Focus on Jesus. Jesus, I refuse to panic here. You're with me. I just believe that no matter what I face in life, God will give me grace when I get there. I'm not worried about tomorrow. And when I do, I remember God will give me grace when I get there. If I get there, whatever happens, I'm going to have the grace to get through it. 
I'll have the wisdom, the support, the finances, the relationship, and the favor I need to make it in life. Why? Because my mind is reset. I know it. I'm confident in it. And by the way, just because you don't believe it doesn't mean that it's any less true. I just say, go ahead and believe it so you can have the life of peace and joy that you've always wanted. You need to renew your mind in grace. Expect God to bless you. Shed the past. Entertain peace. And by all means, muster up your courage. Take courage. And that's how you can freshly reset your life and reset your mind. Oh man, we are out of time. I hate when I run out of time. There's so much more I could say about resetting your life, but I hope this has blessed you and encouraged you and helped you learn how to kind of refocus your thoughts and get your mind right. But you know what? The good news is, is that there's more podcasts coming. And if you subscribe to this podcast, you'll always know when new content comes out. I hope you share it with somebody and leave us a review. It'll help those algorithms get up on our side and get the word out to so many more who need what we have to share. So until next time, we'll see you.